Hi, everybody. So today I want to read out of the book of Romans, chapter 8. I'm going to start with verse 28. And um, <clears throat> actually, let's go to verse 27. I'm going to be reading it out of the Passion Translation. Um, so just bear with me. It's a little different than other versions. But in verse 27, he starts, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Yet he also understands the desire of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan to bring good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does this all mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. I want to read that again for that's just good. For God has proved, verse 32 of chapter 8 of the book of Romans, for God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. So good. <clears throat> Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict, not guilty. Who then has, uh, is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he continually is praying for us uh, for our triumph? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. Everybody say absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions and deprivations, uh, dangers and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written all day long, we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all, for God has made us to be more than conquerors. 
and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. I love that. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that neither, that nothing, sorry, I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Oh, wow, that's just an amazing uh, passage. I'm just going to look at a few things uh, tonight in the short time that we have together. Um, on this, the 28th of December, 2019. And you may be hearing this later on, but this is still alive for you. No spoken word of God, no rhema word or a live word of God uh, is uh, is impotent in carrying out what it was made out to do. Come on, that's so good. So God knows our, God is the searcher of the heart and fully knows our longings. He understands the desires of the spirit. I love that because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us. He, he's, he's ever making intercession for us. That is so good. His holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. We don't know how to pray as we ought to pray, the Bible says. Okay, that's, that's what he's talking about. And so the Holy Spirit prays for us because he knows the Father's heart. Everybody say, knows the Father's heart. Isn't that good? All right. Now, there's some things here I want to look at. Verse 28 says that we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit God's perfect plan to bring good into our lives, for we are his lovers and have been called to fulfill his divine purpose. Now, I, I want to tell you something. You can delay, um, you know, you can, you can delay coming to Jesus all you like, but it's not going to hinder it's not going to hinder God pursuing you and coming after you because he loves you that much. He cares about you that much. He doesn't want you to be destitute. He doesn't want you to be, um, to, to be um, um, alone. He doesn't want you to be orphaned anymore. He wants you to be part of his family. And, um, and, and all of these things, and, and I hear a lot of people talking about their past that you know that that has uh, diminished, and God and God can't love them anymore because you know look look at all this, and I, I'll never be able to make it now because of look at what I've done. Well, listen, God takes all of those things, weaves them together, okay, and come and good comes out of it. He takes the broken pieces of our lives, He binds them together with gold. He dips that uh, He dip, dips that pottery into the gold, and it comes out more powerfully. It comes woven together. Um, I love that the Japanese do that. They take these broken vessels and they and they dip them in gold. I had a vision one time last year, around this time last year, where where the my life was broken. I was broken. And I saw God take every piece. He found every piece, even the slivers that were on the ground. And he dipped the whole thing and he bound it together with gold. <clears throat> and then he took the whole vessel and he dipped it in gold. And I, and I see that uh, vision 
over you guys as well, those of you who are listening. And so he's going to bring forth good in our lives. I just love it. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his divine purpose. Now, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was Bobby Connor or uh, or Graham Cook. But one of them would go on airplanes and then they would have witches that would that would uh, uh, buy an airplane ticket that was sitting, sitting right next to them. And they would try to curse either Graham or Bobby, whoever it was. They would try to, to pronounce a curse over them. So this minister would always... Um, would always say, well, okay, you're cursing me, make it a good one, you know, and they, and they would, they would pronounce these curses. And he's like, what are you doing, man? Because God in Deuteronomy says that he turns the curse into a blessing. And so it's amazing that God does that. He turns the curses of other people. He turns them into blessings and empowers you unless, hear me now, unless you empower the liar, unless you come and just say that the devil is more powerful than God, and um, and that's how you want to walk it out, and that's not the way it should be, okay? Wow. <clears throat> wow. Wow. So verse 29, for he knew all about us when we were born, before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the firstborn or the oldest among a vast family. Now, in one of the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 139, he says that all of your days I had written them in a book before there was even one of them. Before you were conceived, God had put a destiny on your life because he knew that you were going to be there. He's not locked into time and space like we are. He's not locked into that. And he knew you before the foundations of the world. He had seen you and Jesus died for you anyway. He saw all the good. He saw all the bad. He saw all the addictions. He saw all of that. And yet he died for you anyway because he loves you that much. And, and I'm, I'm going to get to what what, what uh, very quickly. Um, and then I just like this other part. And he says that he called us to himself, verse 30, and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. He called us. He called people to himself. Okay? And he transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And that's available to you. The Bible says that if you've given your life to Jesus and you have been washed in the blood of Jesus, that 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 uh, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's amazing. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with Jesus. Wow. Heaven's anxious for you, man, to take your step up, to step up to the plate and to fulfill your destiny that God has paid for. This is so good. Oh, wow. Well. Wow. Well. Well, oh, Lord, help me. I'm just, uh, I'm just overwhelmed by the love of God here. Okay, so what does this all mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who could ever stand against us? Come on. If God is for you, who can be against you? I mean, you have the creator of the universe. Who can stand against you? Who has the power to stand against you? If God is for you, man, buy into that, man. You need to, you need to understand that the God, the creator of the universe has already bought you. And he loves you and he stands with you. And if he's for you, then who can be against you? I love that. And then uh, verse 32, for God proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure. 
in Romans chapter 5, I don't remember the verse, but Romans chapter 5 says, that's just a powerful thing. Wow. Wow. He says one would barely die for a righteous man. Maybe for a good man, one man would dare even to die. And then he says, but God. Everybody say, but God. Demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? Christ died for the ungodly. Just blows me away. His greatest treasure is the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold anything else. What makes you think that God's going to withhold love from you? What makes you think that God can't love you? If he won't withhold his son, what makes you think he'll withhold love? Wow. Verse 33, he's pronounced his verdict. The devil, who's the prosecuting attorney, has come with all the accusations. He's the accuser of the brethren. He has all the accusations. <laughs> he's got all the accusations, man. And he's laid out his, his, his case against you. The jury is all ready to write out guilty. But then the defense attorney comes up. And he says the debt has already been paid. <laughs> that is so good. Wow. Wow. He pronounces this verdict. Not guilty. He has chosen you in love. And he pronounces you not guilty. Guilty. That's his verdict. Who then is left to condemn you? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. Even more than that, he conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? He's always interceding for us. That's so good. So then verse 35, which is the crux of what I want to get to. All that's introduction to this, okay? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. Who can separate us? Certainly you can't. You're not powerful enough. You know, I've said that. I've said that a number of times. Well, God can't love me. I did it. God is pushing me away. I'm not that powerful, man. I'm not that powerful. The Bible says, 1 John 4, verse 8, says, God is love. He can't deny himself. God is faithful. He can't deny himself. When you're faithless, he remains faithful because God cannot deny himself. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. And then he gives a list, okay, of all these things. And he says, no and I love this verse written here in verse 35, written in uh, in the Passion. He says, no, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. They are powerless to stop the all-powerful love of God. Ah, come on, somebody's got to get excited about that. <clears throat> it's powerless. The enemy is powerless to separate you from his love. God loved Adam and Eve after they fell. He still loved them. He didn't turn away from them. Okay, he didn't turn away from you when you committed that sin. 
when you did that thing. He didn't, he didn't turn away from you. He pursued you. He sent the hound of heaven against you. Uh, not against you, but he sent the hound of heaven to go find you. <clears throat> wow. And God has made us. I love this. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, all those things that try to separate you, we triumph over them all. Everybody say that. We triumph over them all. Wow, that's so good. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And he demonstrated his love. Uh, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence I love. Nothing will ever separate me from his love. Come on, everybody say that with me. Nothing will ever separate me from his love. There's nothing, there is no power above us and there's no power beneath us that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love. God loves you so much. You can go to, you can go to Song of Songs chapter two, uh, and, and, and you can go to, um, Song of Songs chapter six. And it's just amazing what God has got, has, has written there because he loves you that much and he cares about you that much. I'm going to read this, uh, phrase here. <clears throat> in verse 37, he says, uh, he says, in the midst of all these things, we have been made more than conquerors. Okay. So this is it. Uh, verse 37, love has made us more than conquerors in four ways. So you can write these down. <clears throat> All right. I'll try to read them slowly. When I did it on my Facebook Live, I went too fast. But I'm going to do this slowly for you. One, <clears throat> this is how love you know, made us more than conquerors. Number one, no situation, no situation in life can defeat us or dilute God's love. No situation in life can defeat us or dilute God's love. Number two, we know that divine love and power work for us to triumph over all things. We know, we're intimately acquainted with this fact, that divine love and power work for us to triumph over all things. Number three, we share in the victory spoils of the enemy. Sorry, read that again. We share in the victory spoils of every enemy we face. Well, we share in the victory spoils of every enemy we face. <clears throat> again, we're talking about Love uh, made us more than conquerors. The number one way is that no situation in life can defeat us or dilute God's love. <clears throat> number two, we know that divine love and power work for us to triumph over all things. Number three, we share in the victory spoils of every enemy we face. You get the spoils, man. Like the Israelites got the spoils of the land of Egypt when they left. <clears throat> they got all the spoils. Wow. And then number four, we have conquered. I love that. We have conquered the conqueror, capital C. We have conquered God. I love it. With merely a glance of our worshiping eyes, we have won his heart. Again, we have conquered the conqueror. The conqueror being God. 
with merely a glance of our worshiping eyes, we have won his heart. It's amazing. The Bible says God, you know, that we thrill him, that he is undone by one glance of our worshiping eyes. And I want to read these verses in the Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 9. <clears throat> Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 9. Wow. I'm just really blown away right now. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. God's talking. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride, you leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance of your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining in you. And in chapter 6, Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 5. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. God's talking again. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Wow. <clears throat> Overpowered by a glance, my, my ravished heart undone. Held captive by your love, I am truly overcome for your undying devotion to me is the most yielded sacrifice. Catherine Coleman says that God is not looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. Our undying devotion to him is our yielded surrender, is our yielded sacrifice to God. <clears throat> well, I hope you enjoyed today's um, message. If you would like, uh, you know, if you would like to uh, send me an email, you go to Tom in Sarah, I-N-S-E-R-R-A, ministries at gmail.com. If you would like to uh, find out how to give to this ministry, you can feel free to email me and I'll send you all that information. We have PayPal, we've got the Cash App, we've got Venmo, um, and uh, so you can you can do it those ways. Uh, so anyway, God bless you guys. Um, thank you for hanging with me and we'll talk to you next time.